You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast. Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 233 of the Black Eagles Podcast. And I am, of course, your host, Sinan Schwartz, live from New York City, where it is uh, unseasonably temperate, lovely, weather's nice, nothing to complain about. Not even that hot yet, you know, we've had a few hot days, you know, but nothing to complain about by any stretch, which is, of course, the perfect metaphor uh, for the first time in certainly as long as we've been doing this podcast um, and beyond, let's let's just say for, for now, Besiktas has somehow man- managed to make its most important transfers in time for for training, um, give or take a couple days, you know, they did in fact start today, June twenty eighth, or I guess yesterday. Now it's, it's past midnight here, but they started training, um, maybe even on the twenty seventh on Monday. So, if that's the case, fantastic. That was was my birthday, so you know, a blessed day for all of us. Besiktas returning. I mean, how fitting would that be? Anyway, but um, yeah, it. All of that said, you know, smooth sailing for us this year, going into training camp, uh, and now I guess we'll talk about those transfers. But first, we have something special. Operation is in effect as of right now. That's right. Uh, Khan Bayazid is returning, not to talk with me. He's not here. He's not lurking in the background. But he does, with that said, have a special guest, Amine El Amri of Le Matin, uh, who reports from Casablanca in Morocco. And so he is uh, being interviewed by Khan about our very first official transfer of this window, Roman Saïs. Certainly a pivotal player and you know uh Jehun Kazanji or whatever whoever it was made the promise that we were going to go for guys like under 27 or something and then the first guy we bring in is 32 year old Roman Saiz but I think it's a, it's a position we're all willing to make an exception at insofar as we needed to replace Domingos Vida the sort of um standard bearer of our back line for the last few seasons and so we needed to make sure we got someone with the experience to kind of confidently hold that back line down. We got a guy with Premier League experience, uh, a plethora of it. So it's honestly the perfect move. Uh, and it went under radars. Khan mentions this, so I won't go into it. But we've also discussed it previously when he, when he was on air last time, last time around. Um, and so, yeah, I guess real quickly, just before we go in, I, I, so folks might be aware of the, the gap between our last episode and this one. And some of you folks on Twitter will have seen I, yes, I got COVID. So that, you know, still at the very tail end of it, you know, I'd say I'm at like 95%. Um, but with that said, it was a pretty light strain of it for the most part. I mean, as far as the, the length of it, it hit me pretty hard, honestly, the first couple days. You know, stay safe out there, folks. No doubt. Uh, and before that, my wife had it, so that, that that's how we can account for the big gap here. But we are back now, and I suppose I'm now immune for the rest of the summer. So that um, is, a, is a silver lining for sure, which means there will be no more COVID breaks on my end. Uh, and hopefully lots of fun news to get into now, actually. just We're just in time, right? And so, yeah, Roman Seiss is the, the first guy uh, that we brought in. It's 
been made official. He didn't show up to training on day one. Um, they're giving a bit of an extension to guys who played for their national teams. Uh, and it's worth noting there aren't a ton of those guys left with the Canadian pair gone. Um, Atip Hutchinson has not been confirmed yet, although it's largely assumed he will return for his final season. That said, Kyle Lahren's gone, so you know no Canadians for us to be giving uh, that national team break extension to. Um, Georges Kevin and Kudu is another guy who was given that extension. He now obviously plays for Cameroon. He's debuted. He's played for them now. He should feature in the World Cup. So yeah, a couple guys. Um, and so yeah, that with that said, so we'll have Nkudu uh, representing the African nation of Cameroon in the World Cup, and we will have Roman Saiz representing Morocco. And we've talked about this in the group. It's a good group of ex trash players that Roman Saiz is hopefully going to win. Uh, but so on that note, I'm going to hand the mic over to Khan Bayazid and Amine El Amri. Um, and you'll get all the info you could ever dream of regarding Roman Saiz. Of course, I'm joking. Uh, but no, that really was a very in-depth, great interview by Khan, as usual. And uh, yeah, to Amine, thank you so much for coming on. Without further ado, let's hear what the fellas have to say. And joining me right now is a Moroccan football expert journalist uh, for Le Matin and based in Casablanca, Amine El Amri. Amine, thank you for uh, joining me and uh, giving us a little bit of your insights on Besiktas' new signing, uh, Roman Saiz. Am I pronouncing Hi, that correctly? Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, it's good, it's good. <laughs> so, uh, I'll pick up from Morocco. So you're based, you're based in Casablanca, which is kind of similar uh, to, to Istanbul in the sense that everyone thinks it's the capital, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. at, at least yeah, in Europe. It is the capital. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, kind of the same way with Istanbul. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. It's very similar in that regard. So, um, yeah, what, 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 your, what was your first reaction when you heard the news that uh, the Moroccan captain and... Uh, also captain for Wolves, I believe, for the past few years and playing in England for the past six years, uh, Saiz mo would move to, to Besiktas. I heard there was some interest from uh, the Middle East as well. Were you surprised by his move? Well, not, not really, because uh, uh, we've seen the last years that uh, Turkey and Super League uh, uh, was beginning to be like a destination of choice for Moroccan international uh, pre-retreat. Uh, let's say uh, in the uh, in the last years uh, of their careers. So no, I, I wasn't surprised. Uh, I actually was really really happy for him to to go to Turkey instead of going to you know Gulf um, Arabian uh, uh, Championship, where uh, the level is obviously not the same as in Turkey. Yeah, and he hasn't signed a mega deal by any stretch of the imagination. He'll be. Uh he has signed a two plus one year contract worth roughly 1.8 million a year. Is that something that surprises you at all? Because he's clearly not really ma making the choice for big money uh, and still has some aspirations uh, from the uh, sportive uh, aspect, you would imagine. Yeah, of course. I think maintaining uh, his level of competitiveness is, is the main goal. Uh, because obviously, in, in a couple of months, we're playing the World Cup. So. Uh, playing in a in a club and a big club in Turkey, uh, obviously uh, outside Galatasaray and Fenerbahce, uh, playing with Besiktas will will help him maintain a very good level of competitiveness. So I, I think he's going step by step. Uh, so that's why he signed a two plus one year contract. But uh, I think it's a logical and very sporting choice for his for his career. Yeah, he's been playing in the in the Premier League for the past four years. Played for Wolverhampton for the past six, two years in the Championship as well. Won promotion with them. Um, and was one of the, I wouldn't say maybe. Well, how would you say he is perceived as a as as, as a defender? I'll, I'll put it that way. I'm not going to put words in your mouth. Well, well, there's there's still a big mystery, you know, on his role around the pitch because. Uh, uh, he started his career in Angers uh, playing a midfield, uh, a defensive midfielder, 
and then uh, for Morocco he played in, in central defense. Uh, and actually, I asked him uh, before in, in, in an interview what, what does he prefer uh, to be, what position he prefers to be. But he doesn't like to be, you know, um, contained in one position. So he could play both. Uh, obviously, in Morocco he plays in central defense, but uh, in Wolves, especially during uh, Nuno Espirito Santo's stint, uh, he played he played many many games uh, in the central midfield uh, before recruiting uh, the, the arrival of uh, João Moutinho. And. At Besiktas, of course, uh, Valerian Ismail, the new coach uh, since uh, the past couple of months, he is uh, very adamant of uh, playing a 3-4-3 formation, something that uh, Saiz is familiar with at uh, Wolves as well, of course. Um, and, and the big plan for Ismail seems to be to put him um, in, in the back three as a sort of the playmaker from behind almost. And of course, with his background playing in midfield and stuff, it's understandable that uh, he was very keen on signing someone with uh, the, the profile of size to bolster the defense at the back. Also replacing Domagoj Vida, who uh, after four years at Besiktas didn't extend his contract. Um, and is leaving, but with Saiz, Bishtish now have uh, maybe a more technically refined uh, defender that can, of course, as you po pointed out as well, also uh, play in midfield if necessary. Um, what what type of, 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 of player would you say he is? Is he an aggressive player um, or does he rely more on his uh, instincts and his uh, intelligence? Well, he's very aggressive when playing in defense, you know. It's uh, it's kind of guy to go uh, all in, and to go for a tackle, and um, not not restraining any effort to, to get the ball back. But uh, obviously he's a left footer, so left footers are, are more keen to play ball and to, to launch the attack from the heart of the defense. So he's kind of mixing both but uh, uh, his his effort and his attitude and his dedication to playing in defense are, are very well, very high standards. Otherwise, he wouldn't stay in uh, in the walls uh, uh, beyond the championship. Definitely. Um, and, and this move, I mean, I, I did notice on the internet that there was a lot of surprise uh, from Moroccan fans, especially that he made this move. Um, do you know why it is that uh, he doesn't? He didn't uh, continue with Wolves. Did they uh, want to start a new chapter with a with a younger, fresher uh, approach or something? Yeah, I don't know about the Wolves, but um, you know, maintaining this high level of competitiveness, in, especially in the Premier League, uh, once the player is past his 32, 33 years old, is very hard. You know. Uh, the, uh, the attraction of the Premier League makes it that um, every aspiring uh, player, especially in defense, where the schemes, the tactics are really changing throughout the last five or ten years. So uh, I think the level of competitiveness would have made uh, Saiz uh, go to the bench uh, for, for even for the start of the new year, because uh, obviously there are New projects going in in uh, in Wolverhampton, especially, but uh, all over all over the Premier League. I mean, except uh, City and Liverpool. Maybe all the others are, are changing, either technical uh, or property, or you know. So it's I think it's the start of a new page in the Premier League. Uh, and being 32, I think he went for the insurance of playing. More than you know, with a, with a new challenge like like I said before, it's a World Cup year, yeah. so it's really really important to have uh, to maintain the level of competition and, and play play much 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 more football because you need to be in November. You need to arrive to Qatar uh, in the best shape possible. Yeah, maybe people would be surprised because uh, uh, his level, his attitude, his dedication. I was very good uh, professional, but this guy, you know, he's, he, he signed his first pro contract at 21, so he's kind of been late to the to the business. Uh, and when you're 32, playing your 11th or 12th year as a professional, I, I think he he needed this kind of 
uh, cooling off from the, the competitiveness and the rage of competitiveness in, in the Premier League. So uh, I, I saw it as a logical move. Um, people might be surprised, but uh, I know it's, uh, it's the right thing to do for it. And did you notice any uh, particular spark in interest now? Of course, we've had uh, Younes Belhanda at Galatasaray uh, in the past years. Now he plays for Adana Demirspor. Um, and there's been other uh, Moroccan players in the Super League over the past couple of years, of course. But this is probably the highest profile Moroccan to come to Turkey since Belhanda. Do you notice that there's any increased interest in, uh, in, 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 in Morocco in the Turkish League now? Yeah, I think it's, it's still around maybe six to ten players per year in, in the Super League and uh, um, I, I remember when Amrabat went uh, went to Galatasaray I, I think he played uh, one or two seasons and then uh, there was a law about foreign players or something yeah. that, that maybe have, has stopped uh, the, the, the uh, let's say the exodus of, of Moroccan players uh, going into Turkey so it's like you said in, in, the, in, in the beginning, uh, Istanbul is very likely to Casablanca. So even even for players that uh, that were born or grow grow up in uh, in France or other parts of Europe, going to Turkey, it's 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 more like going to Morocco actually, with the cultural uh, ties and uh, the level of competitiveness. It's it's really a good championship. So when you see Moroccan international, I think. There were five or six less years. I'm, I'm not sure about about the number of um, the 21-22 season, but there were like Hatay Sport. They had uh, mm -hmm. Munir and they had Ayubikabi, Sivaspor with Faisal Fazer. Uh, yeah. Munir and Fazer went to Arabia, Saudi Arabia, but uh, yeah, which is a big shame because I'm a big fan of uh, Faisal Fazer. He's a fantastic football player. Yeah, it's, it's, a it's a shame he's. Uh, I, I thought he was a lot younger than he was, actually. <laughs> yeah, he is kind of old. And, but and he's a his, fantastic uh, footballer. Yeah, his, his profile is more of a big brother to, to the rest of the team. So he, he will always be cheering, not complaining about being on the bench, uh, doing his stuff when, when, he, when he comes in. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a very good destination for for players, either they were born and grew up in Morocco, or born and grew up in uh, in the rest uh, in Europe and uh, France, especially. So mm -hmm. it, it makes it easier for them, uh, obviously, going to a Muslim country. When uh, you then you have you you can pray and, and stuff like normally and calmly, uh, very very far away from what's been uh, what has been the, the last years, for example, in France. So yeah, I, I think. This this kind of similarity with Morocco is a is a good argument for for Turkish club to to attract uh, Moroccan internationals. And is there anything in particular you could highlight uh, as as when it comes to the players' strengths and weaknesses? Is there anything that jumps out to you? Well, uh, I'll start with the weaknesses. He's um, he hasn't got a really good pace. So well, when maybe playing with a high defense. And having to face a counter attack, um, he would struggle. That, that's for sure. Uh, but with uh, with a good tactical scheme, he, he could be a very very effective player defensively. Uh, on the higher notes, uh, he's very good with the header. So uh, both in, on both ends of the pitch, he, he would be very good on on the corners and set pieces and stuff. Uh, the, 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 the main thing, and I mean the main positive thing about Roman says is that he is one dedicated player. So uh, I remember when I was in the Africa, in the Afcon, in Africa Cup of Nations, 2017 in Gabon, uh, we lost. Uh, Morocco lost the first game against DR Congo, one 0 uh, and they had like a winner go home uh, situation again against Togo in the second game. Uh, in, in the day before. Uh, leading to the game, uh, uh, Roman says of his grandfather. He actually, uh, his grandfather was the reason why he joined uh, the Moroccan national team, and uh, he gave him his middle name, which is uh, Ranan. And he lost his grandfather the day before the game against Togo, and uh, because it was such a such an important game, uh, he he refused to go back to France and to be with his family. He 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 said that the best way to honor 
his late grandfather is is to be is to be on the pitch and to play and uh, and to win from Morocco. Uh, and what do you know? Uh, we we were uh, we were trailing against Togo, and who scores uh, the, the 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 game the you know the game leveling goal is is Roman says and yeah, actually the it's, 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 uh, it's his only goal in the, throughout his career in, in in the Morocco national team. So it gives you this episode gives you a kind of insight about how dedicated this guy is and. Uh, yeah, I, I, I love this about him. Would you say he's a model professional that lifts for his, uh, his, his craft? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's very good. He's, uh, he's got really good uh, ties with, with all his teammates. Uh, you, can, you can go back and see, see some of the videos the Wolves have been posting throughout the years. He's, he's really cool, a nice guy, uh, trying to... to to chat everybody and to, to smile, to give this kind of smile. Also, very um, uh, you know, very honest guy. So he will tell you your truth in your face. So <laughs> there's no no doubt about that. So yeah, it's kind of the players that uh, that are more. I, I think they are more rare now. There are less and less players who are uh, honest and and with um, with a lie. Uh, uh, you know, dedication and also mm -hmm. franchise and, and honesty. And I think they're more rare now. Perhaps the fact that he made his debut so late in professional football plays a part in that because what you notice with a lot of young, well, not necessarily young players, like they can be in their 30s already at, the, at, the, at this point, but uh, when they live their entire life as a, as a professional footballer, earning lots of money since their teens, they tend to lose touch with reality a little bit sometimes perhaps and i think yeah. a guy like like size maybe who um didn't um get there uh, at, yeah. at 17 18 it, it, maybe that helps forming their uh, their personality yeah, uh, of course, yeah see you can see can sometimes that um uh, footballs especially the top level worldwide are privileged people and mm -hmm. um, I remember, for example, I think it's Inter training ground or something. There's a big, big writing on the wall when you say we are privileged people, and, and you have to remember that. And uh, also, Marcelo Bielsa, when he was at Leeds, uh, he was always keen to 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 bring uh, players into you know community restaurants and stuff and popular soup and stuff to to to, to still have contact with with the, the rest of the mortals. So I, I think, uh, yeah, like you said, starting his career very late at 21 uh, uh, made him realize that, yes, he is privileged. And in that sense, he has to be, to stay, um, to keep the ties with the, with the, with the regular people and uh, stay like a regular people uh, in, in his personality. It also took a lot, I think it, it almost went under the radar in Turkey, this move, because of how un-dramatic um, it was almost. Because, for example, right now, Besiktas are uh, in the works of signing a striker, and it's something that's been dragging out for a month. You know, in the media, every day you've got new updates, and, oh, you know, he uh, this this is happening now, or, oh, he's deciding tomorrow, oh, no, he's not, he asked for more time, stuff like that. Um, and with Roman Saiz, it was almost like, oh, suddenly like a snap of a finger and and it was said okay he's coming to Istanbul next week he's signing it's done and uh, it almost for me like I think it's crazy how um, how how much how little hype there has been because of that uh, because this is I think for Besiktas a very big signing a coup almost if you will uh, a great replacement I think for for Domagoj Vida especially for the system that Valeria Ismail wants to play um, and uh, yeah, almost because of how, just how the ease of which the transfer was uh, finished with um, uh, definitely uh, <laughs> makes it go under the radar a little bit, I think. But there has been, Besiktas have been interested in him for several years. There have been, um, well, th the club has attempted to sign him, I believe, two years ago or something. And he's one of those players that definitely stayed in... Um, 
in the database of the club, so to speak, and they followed the situation closely, and uh, they ultimately ended up getting their man. You see this often in Turkey, where clubs are interested in players, uh, especially with Bistec, where they are interested with a, in a player, but it doesn't work out. But like maybe one or two years down the road, it does. And uh, Saiz is definitely somebody that uh, they kept tabs on. And uh, I think a lot of um, Besiktas fans are very happy with the signing because it takes away a big headache. Uh, losing someone and replacing someone like Domago Vida isn't easy. World Cup finalist in 2018, of course. Um, and now Besiktas have done so with uh, the Moroccan uh, national team captain. And of course, we uh, wish Morocco all the best in uh, in November. And uh, Roman Saiz as well. And hopefully he can prepare... Um, uh, himself at Besiktas and uh, be in top form when it comes uh, to the World Cup in Qatar. Yeah, of course. Um, I, I mean, uh, it makes you wish that uh, all of the Mercato window is is like that, you know, with very <laughs> cool and calm and calm news <laughs> and only confirmed news. But yeah, I think it's uh, it's a matter of, uh, of of the guy's personality. You know, he's always been like that, very logical guy. Uh, doesn't like to make waves wherever he goes. Uh, we we never, I mean, we rarely see him like on. I I, I think he started to have an Instagram a year ago or something. And <laughs> the other players made him uh, open up a profile on Instagram, but he hasn't got any social media stuff. Uh, he doesn't speak too much. Uh, when he speaks, he says very very little, but very efficient talk so uh, yeah I, I think it's it's the image of Roman says uh, just like that just like when he went to to Wolverhampton the, the one day he was playing for for Anzi and the next day he was at the Molina Stadium um, preparing his, his signature with the, with the wall so there is no bigger waves no tsunamis around his Mercato uh, or anywhere near that so um, yeah he's a very 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 calm guy he seems to be someone. I mean, you would get the impression that he just he, he decides and he knows what he wants and he's gonna go with that decision. Whereas other players will uh, maybe wait longer, drag it out a little bit, evaluate whatever they get in and and uh, look at their options more. Whereas you know someone like Size probably thinks, oh, I got a good feeling with this club and I'll go there. And you know, just he's been at, at Wolves for six years, which is a very long time to be at a club, especially in England. Uh, for a foreigner in, in particular, um, so yeah, let's hope uh, we get a couple of good years with uh, with him, and uh, we look forward to seeing him in action. And of course, like I said before, um, it, it does add a little bit of extra. Now we can watch the World Cup, and we can uh, support Morocco because one of our our guys is playing there. Yeah, I think it's good, and, and uh, I've been um, uh, I've been um, going through. Uh, uh, last season, Besiktas uh, last season, uh, and, the, and the the drop in the level was was shocking for me. I mean, uh, those guys were were in Champions League and were very very competitive in the Super League in the, in last year. But yeah. the drop in the level during last season was, um, I mean, uh, obviously the, the the fact of losing uh, in in the Champions League, I, I think it had. Uh, uh, a big impact, and having those this kind of players that uh, bring attitude, bring dedication, bring seriousness in, into the team, uh, will will emulate other players to to, to be like him. And uh, I hope uh, Besiktas will have a, a great great season next year. Knock on wood that we don't have the same injury woes we had last season, because that was the main one of the main reasons that we uh, got sidetracked. Um, basically, like. Against Dortmund, we had the majority of our team, but then like the other four or five games in the champ, like against Ajax, we played with a C team basically. Yeah. Uh, we at, at a certain point we had ten or eleven, no ten, I think it was ten of the starting players uh, were yeah. injured, and it was uh, all at the same time. And of course, you know how important, uh, as you can hear my donkey at the back on the background, perhaps. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know how important the mental aspect is to football and you know once you start losing and you get in a negative spiral it's very difficult to get out of it uh, and uh, I think Besiktas waited too long um, to replace the interim coach um, 
and that cost them European football this year but that brings with it a little bit of an advantage now Bistas can fully focus on uh, the Turkish League and on the Turkish Cup and uh, they lost or how should I, I should say it's going to be a very different team which is also going to make things easier maybe for size to take a leadership role in the team because so many players were out of contract this this summer so many players left um, yeah. a lot of expensive players a lot of guys on hot, big contracts um, yeah. the team is going to look very different the only thing that's really staying the same are guys like Joseph de Souza Rashid Gazal um, those yeah. uh, those guys will remain important but uh, there's just definitely an opportunity and a void to be filled there for a guy like Roman Saiz to take up uh, a leadership role in the team and I hope we can uh, I hope he can do that yeah and I think um, having Valeria Ismail as a coach is is very helpful because uh, Valeria might be seeing himself uh, in Roman says like mm. playing kind of similar roles on the pitch and uh, similar attitude. So I, I think it, it's very helpful for for Roman to to have uh, um, Valeria Ismail, who also obviously is a French guy. So they they will have uh, a very good communication between them, and I think it's it's very helpful, like you said, um, stepping up and. Uh, Taking this leader place like he did in the national team when Mehdi Manatia stepped, uh, stepped down from from national team, so uh, I think he's he's a good guy to have this kind of transition between one generation and the other, and this is how, what he does here in Morocco. What he did in Wolverhampton, passing from Championship to the Premier League, and uh, I, I hope well, this is what he does in, in Besiktas. Well, I want to thank you very much for your time. I mean, I'm not going to keep you any any longer. I know you still have a lot of work to do uh, there in uh, in Casablanca. But uh, thank you very much uh, for your time and for your insights on Roman Saiz. And, uh, well, like I said, we'll be uh, cheering you on in the World Cup in November. Yeah, and, and uh, expect to have more and more, maybe hundreds and hundreds of Moroccan uh, following Besiktas. I'm, I'm trying to pass the word for them. And, I hope. Uh, I hope so. Yeah. Hope so. How, how do you say uh, "go Besiktas" in Turkish? Haydi Basta Besiktas" or something like that. Or "Haydi Besiktas," you can say that as well. All right, "Go Besiktas" will will stay with that. Or "Or Dima Besiktas," it's a kind of a mix up between Deriza Arabic and uh, and Besiktas. All right. <laughs> thanks well, for having me, and it was a pleasure. Very thanks great. for coming on, mate. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Very nice, excellent, excellent, excellent stuff. Um, thank you so much to Amine El Amri and of course to Khan Bayazit. Uh, you know, always a pleasure to have him come grace our airways and, and interview folks regarding our transfers. It's it's great to have him back in that. Um, what I'm looking for in that role, I suppose, right? But so yeah, it's um, just, you know, it was great to get all that info about a guy who I think seems poised to be a very important player for us for years to come, in theory. Uh, as far as how you'd find Amine on the internet, on Twitter, he is at Amine underscore El Amri. So that is A-M-I-N-E underscore E-L-A-M-R-I. He is, uh, again, representing Le Matin au Maroc. And yeah, again, great, helpful stuff. Thank you so much, sir. And of course, Khan at Razarian, R-A-Z-E-R-I-A-N. And so, yeah, um, excellent. I know that I am, yeah, I couldn't be happier. I've already basically come out uh, on a few occasions now and said as much. I think he's the perfect fit for us. I think uh, the fact that he's flown under the radar might have folks like not as hype as they should be. But the reality of this is, I, you know, at least on paper, obviously you don't, you don't quite know how it's gonna turn out, but on paper it's the, the perfect fit. So yeah, let's hope. You know, let's hope these guys are correct in their appraisal of him. Uh, I certainly feel like 
his track record would, would belie it. So I'm hype. I'm hype. I think he's going to be a perfect fit. Obviously, who he'll play next to remains to be seen. And I think that's what I'll do now. I'll talk about the remaining rumors, the other guys. You know, the only other official move so far, besides um, confirming Valentin Rosier, which is a big one, um, is, of course, the purchase of Jedson Fernandes in the center of our midfield. And a fantastic move that could be the move of the summer. Obviously, Galatasaray fans uh, are upset by it. Fine. Don't really care for that aspect of it. You know, I'm not so petty in the, in, you know, big picture here. But, uh, you know, in a case like this, it's just a phenomenal player. He came back to Turkey last year, folks don't recall, to play for Rizespor, and in doing so, wowed us with quite a few highlights that, like, many of us felt like, man, I wish we had him already helping us do that stuff instead of Rizespor. But, uh, anyway, it'll be great to have him. He was already in training. Uh, I'm not sure if we'll have a Jedson episode. I'll talk to Khan about it. You know, he's certainly free to do one if he has an expert on the on the subject matter. But and the reason I hesitate is because he's a guy who we all know to some extent. We've seen him in Turkey already. Was glad to today uh, last season. So I think he's less of a mystery, right? We're trying to sort of enlighten our listeners as far as guys that might not know about. Him. That said, there is some other stuff that they're gonna have to, Khan might have to find someone regarding, or, or I will myself, perhaps. And so let's, let's go through all of the news. Um, as far as the keeper goes, I, I've been gone long enough that, like, so the Emre Bilgin news is good. He signed through 2026. Um, and he played phenomenally last season. He's certainly, I think, the heir apparent um, but there's still nothing uh, regarding Ersin Destanoglu. Supposedly, no transfers have been ma- made. We do need to, I think, renew him, extend him. Same applies for Serdar Sachi, right? And so that's um, like the two remaining guys. Emirhan was extended as well. Great news, obviously. Um, I think also through 2026. But. Whatever. <laughs> That's not the, the important stuff that we're here to talk about. So yeah, there there are a couple guys who have not been extended. Ridvan Yilmaz has been on the cusp of being gone for some time, right? Frankfurt was interested in him in Germany. That said, Torino is still circling, trying to get him. We, I think, you know, the last was like six and a half million after bonuses that we were getting. Uh, I think we were trying to bump that up still, last I heard. And given that nothing has been made official, perhaps there's some truth to that. I'd love if we could get maybe more like 8 mil or so. Just given the, the price tags that so many Turkish clubs are putting on their guys. Um, you know, Abdul Kerim Bardakci went for like 3.3 million. Kazim Karatash for, for upwards of 2. So, you know... You'd like to think Rivan Yilmaz is certainly the best left-back prospect coming out of Turkey at the moment. Um, you know, he should, should get us some money, uh, you'd, you'd think. But so, yeah, if, if they are, in fact, negotiating for more, I don't I don't begrudge them that. I hope they succeed in that sense. Uh, Torino, perhaps a better fit anyway, or, you know, Serie A. But so, yeah, that's the only real official news far as outgoing guys increasingly it's starting to look like Ersin is gonna stick around so that's potentially good news just as far as there not being a ton of upheaval certainly Ersin is the best keeper in the bunch that we have uh, another season under under uh, you know under his belt with us potentially performing at a high level you know could be good we shall see could always backfire but you know I don't you know, he's not a guy who's suffered for, from uh, our team suffering for the most part because he's been solid for the most part. So that's it as far as goalkeeper goes. Mert Gunok back in training. There was a really corny Bashiktash English post on Twitter um, 
an image of him. I don't know if they're going for Star Wars or something, but it was it was not not the quality we've come to expect. <laughs> but so yeah, that's it for the keeper situation right now. It's looking like Erickson might still be our starter, but if not, Emre Bilgin's ex extended. We have not, you know, we have insurance. So I think we're covered there. It's the back line, obviously, we know everything there is to know about Roman Saiz at this point. Next to him will be Montero or Wellington, and the other guy will come in off the bench or be an alternative. You all know my my preference is Montero. Um, there's an argument to be made that Wellington is perhaps better fit in a, on a three-man back line. I don't know if I buy it, to be 100% honest. Uh, the, the sort of brain farts that made me not really want to keep giving him chances, I think are be just as prone in any set of scenario on the pitch, formation-wise, um, you know, passing strange and loopy, perfectly placed balls into the opposition's feet. Um, you know, that's the kind of thing he could do no matter what, or like being offsides, not being seemingly some, some, somewhat conscious, seemingly unaware of the offside rule on occasion, stuff like that. The, the, you know, he's sort of in that Nejib category of always being capable of a card as well. You know, Montero seems all around better, in my opinion. But, anyway, that said, opposite those two guys, whoever that second one is, should be a Turk. And now you've got Serdar Sachi, who still remains unextended. I suppose there's a deadline on that. If he doesn't do it, we're going to let him go. Try to get something out of him, some money. So where does that leave us? Um, you know, obviously he, he should be extended regardless. So we can utilize him off the bench, further develop him. Uh, maybe he could earn that sort of Tur the, the Turkish central defender role. <coughs> um, there's obviously still Nejip there as an option. I don't think anyone will feel like we should go in with Nejip as our starting central defender though. Um, you know, obviously like when you see him in a derby, it's like, yeah, you kind of get it. He's got that heart, the passion. It doesn't mean you want to see your, your general manager organizing a team in that manner. So, you know, there's there, there was news of Koray Gunte, uh, Khan, uh, what's, his, what's his name? Uh, Khan Ihan, right? Um, so, you know, there's talk of, there was talk of these sort of bigger names who are Turkish playing abroad, Cenk Uzkacar, you know, stuff like that. But uh, not much has come of it lately. The only rumor I've seen recently was for Atinch Nukan. And again, that seems to be more like filling out depth-wise, not, you'd hope, that starter next to Saiz and Montero or Wellington. So, I mean, there's gotta be a Turk there. We'll, we'll get into that. Currently left wing back, you'd have to think it's Umut Mirash that's slotted in there. Certainly in our first friendlies, that would be the case. We'll talk about friendlies in a moment. We actually have some now scheduled, all of them. So that's fun. Uh, but so yeah, Umut Mirash is the only real option at left wing back currently. Um, Khan, I think it was theorized that like maybe Tyler Boyd could be sort of flipped to a left wing back, you know, in the way that Ferdi Kadiolu was or something. Who knows? We'll see. Certainly in, in those early training videos, Valerie Ismail was keeping an eye on Tyler Boyd, I noticed. I don't know what that translates to. But so, yeah, we need a Turkish central defender. I don't think Atinj Nukan is the answer. He's not good enough. So there's still some work for, for Jehun Kazanji ahead of him. And again, like you'd like to see this sort of stuff wrapped up. I mean, it's one starter, uh, that, that's the good news. Only, only the one, and, and we do theoretically have the Serdar Sachis if he should extend, Nejips, etc. Like there's, there's someone capable to fill in, worst case. But yeah, you'd want a new guy to come in and get the chance to, to settle in with the formation and all that. And the whole team to sort of get used to playing with each other. So, yeah, that's that's still, I would say, the biggest question mark. Um, 
Toronto central defender. Umut Merash on the left side currently. Probably need a little depth there as well. If there's someone better than Umut Merash, I think that also should remain a Turk. There's not a ton of options. You know, there's a Typhoon Bingo is being spoken of uh, as, as a very likely candidate to come in and supposedly he can fill that role. Now, the question one has to ask is, is that the man we want? He's already 29. He'll be turning 30 in January. Sort of a late bloomer as far as like people's awareness of him, but yeah, yeah. Again, perhaps depth. I think one could argue Umut Merash is probably the superior of the two in that regard. No, he's got a lot of detractors. Folks don't like him much, but I'm not, I'm not so worried about that. I actually thought he would been a pretty decent pickup as he settled into the team. Now, on the right side, of course, there's Valentin Rosier and Kenan Karaman, his backup. Uh, in the center of our midfield, we've got Jedson, opposite new captain, Joseph de Souza, which I thought was interesting. Now, of course, you need to name a captain, and Atiba still has not signed. So that's perhaps the thinking on that. As far as depth goes, however, of course, yeah, you know, you'll we'll have Atiba, there's still Mehmet Topal, Nejib. Um, but then, yeah, a number of guys returning, Kartal, Kaida, Yilmaz, and, of course, Emirhan Ilkan, um, who, if anything, is a guy we want to actually get to see play quite a bit. Um, in fact, you know, maybe Atiba's not the first guy off the bench anymore, right? Maybe Emirhan will be... Anyway, we'll see. I mean, he might even play alongside Jetson, you know, against weaker opposition, you'd hope. So, you know, that could be one thing. You know, whatever. The point is, I think we're pretty much covered. Um, I, I guess we didn't pick up John Bozdoan. It's okay. You know, given Jetson coming in. We really just need someone for depth at that spot. I think Atiba is the sort of dual option you can kind of fill into either role. So he'd be the first off the bench for almost either one of those guys. And then beyond that, you know, you hope one of the kids can come on and, and make an impact. Who knows? I mean, who knows? You know, there might there might be a, some late movement in that regard. Another central midfielder. But we'll see. What's left, of course, Besides that central mid central defender role, is, is who's going to play on the wing opposite Rashid Gezal? Um, Nkuru is an option, of course. He will likely be with the team still. But, you know, we've been flirting with, like, Andrejka, supposedly, for some time. I don't know whatever came of that, honestly. Um, there's... Uh, Fasnacht, I think was his name, right? That's that's the guy who we were linked with, which uh, I think he's a Swiss left wing. So Christian Fasnacht is 28-year-old Swiss left winger. So I guess that would be another option there. But so it, what it seems like currently, our, the, the strongest option, the, the one we're going after the hardest is Jackson Muleka, which I 100% can get behind. I would love to see it. There was someone who put out a meme of three sharks like swimming through just a pool of fish, just you know, gorging themselves, and uh, you know, and, and then with the subtitle being Muleka, Weghorst, and Gazal, and I could not agree more. I think Muleka would be the like what we always dreamed Laren could have been, right? Uh, especially like that one year where he may have duped a few folks. I think Muleka can be, can be that, but like match up those numbers with technique and ability that, that Laren never quite could produce. So yeah, Jackson Muleka, please sign with Bechter. Supposedly in the next day or so, we're gonna get a final answer on that. We've been negotiating with this club for some time. Uh, and it's down to the final days, you know. Uh, there, there's supposedly interest from elsewhere in Belgium. Club Bruges or something like that, but you know, I think our, our we're still the more likely option for him. He wants to join us. He's put out images like of him when he was playing against us and stuff on, on social media. So yes, please bring in my guy Jackson Muleka. That's what we all need. 
which brings us, of course, to Striker, and I've already tipped the cap on that one. Vout Vegholst, and certainly here's a guy we're gonna do an episode on. Uh, and I don't even, I don't think I need to say like if he joins, because it's it's pretty much confirmed. He's gonna be arriving in Istanbul. Knock on wood. Uh, tomorrow or today or you know whatever that is I think today being June 29th which is fantastic so he'll join training just as we start um, he is 29 year old Dutch striker um, who will be joining us from Burnley he you know we've, we've sort of covered his basic stuff basic info so I don't think I need to, to dwell on it too much but with that said I think if we can get someone to you know, give us all that insight like we did for Mr. Saiz today. That would be excellent. Uh, but yeah, it's basically confirmed. Like, I think that's done. And not only that, but Cenk Tosun is supposed to be at like 99% according to Serjan Dikme. Um, so we have strikers one and two. A and if we can pull that Jackson Muleka move for the wing on the left side, he could certainly sort of alternate in as, a, as an option as a striker should you know, Jank Tosin become injured or about Veghorst to not pan out somehow, you know, whatever whatever the insurance scenario is, you know, um, Jackson Malika could provide some there as well. So, like, that would be, I think, the ideal, like, we got our number one option at Stryker. Uh, and it's just a loan, but potentially, I think there was, there's talk of maybe a 7.5 million buyout. Maybe, you know, I don't I don't know, to be honest. Obviously we'll need everything to be confirmed when he arrives and, and everything is actually made official. But so that's something to be looking out for. There might be a purchase option. Certainly we can be hopeful. But even if not, it doesn't mean he, he like, think of Rosier, right? We've, we've, we've earned guys's um, respect and, and admiration. We've, we've convinced them to stick around just by having a good time with us. If he can come, have a good season, there's no reason he can't change his mind. If, if you know, if he's rejected the, you know, buyout option or whatever it is. So yeah, great news there. Jenk Tosin, fantastic insurance. Uh, nothing as far as Guven Yalchin goes. I've heard he's very likely to actually resign. I might again prefer. Tiago Chukur, you know, as, as a third option, a young guy. Uh, we also have, you know, that Koray fella striker coming up from the youth setup. So, you know, lots of, like, fun fun things, honestly. This is a fun episode. No bad news. Uh, hopefully we'll get official confirmation on Veghorst as far as him actually arriving, touching down, and we can do an episode on him soon. I'll talk to Khan. Uh, ditto for Jackson Muleka, although I don't think we have to do an episode on him. I can just show, um, you know, clips from, from the Kasim Pasha episode where I, like, talked about how I scouted him myself before that match and psyched myself out for it. And sure enough, that was, uh, like, pretty much our, our worst outing in the Valerian Ismail era thus far. So, um, yeah, man, I, I feel good about the whole thing. It's been a great window so far we've covered you know the striker and central defender were the two biggest holes right that left wing option i mean there is still in kudu you know there is still uh we you know we have like uh Hasic and boyd and alex teixeira you know this there are all these sort of question marks that could theoretically fit into that role right the emergency was absolutely striker we need two and bam we got two good strikers um you know, that back line really needed that sort of stalwart vet presence that we got in Romance size. So, so far so good, man. I don't know. Like, people are really in a negative mind state these days, I think. Uh, obviously, it wasn't the best season we're coming off of, and people are always somewhat critical of the whole general manager thing, but I don't know. I feel, I feel like we've gotten great pieces. Uh, I'm not too concerned about the age on Romance size because... You know, we've been over that. It's, it's a position of need where I think you can kind of make an exception there. Um, I think, you know, for me, Jackson Muleka would be the, the sort of cherry on top. 
that would be the sort of perfect scenario. If, if not him, you know, there's this Christian Fasnacht, right? The Swiss guy, 28-year-old. Whatever. I mean, you know, Muleka is great also because he's 23. So there's that, like, you're building that. You know, you have these three core age units. Um, the kids that we're bringing up. We have um, the sort of young, you know, rosier. Uh, you know, you could add Muleka to that, but um, Jedson, you know, this kind of guys entering their prime, if you will. And then you have this older cohort of guys, the veterans brought in, you know, the Seiss and the Veghorst and what have you. Um, Rashid Ghazal, you know, the kind of leaders of the team. Joseph. So, yeah, you know, you're filling out that core a little bit, you know, the middle one with, with Jackson Muleka could be nice. So we're, we're, we're building in three phases. But uh, yeah, you know, more, more, to be, more to come for sure. Certainly, we're going to need a, a Turkish central defender. No, Turkish central defender, 100%. And we're going to need someone on that left wing to, to, give, to give us a little more clarity, I think. Uh, we also probably have some questions about whether like guys like Alex Teixeira are outgoing. Um, you know, why are we so hungry for a left wing? Obviously, I mean, when you have Nkudu, you need someone no matter what, even if you want to keep him because he's so injury prone. But is the plan to keep him? Are we maybe looking to offload him? I don't know. Lots of questions to be answered still. Uh, and of course, like, what's the final word on Ridvan leaving? Or, or is Ersin? Slotted as our starting keeper this season. Are we keeping him? For sure. So, of course, stay tuned for more. Um, next week, we will be back no matter what. That's a guarantee. But uh, perhaps we'll be back with another, like, transfer episode. You know, maybe uh, a Veghorst one. Again, that's that's dependent on Khan or, or myself finding someone to interview and all that. But stay tuned, of course. And certainly there will be some news by then. And we will have begun to play some football theoretically I mean, so that is where we'll leave things for now we have friendlies schedule um, and maybe no we'll probably have an episode before we have some football to talk about because our first match is July 9th against Werder Bremen then July 12th we're playing Victoria Pilsen the Czech side, which we've, I think, struggled with historically. Uh, then July 15th, we're playing Mainz, the German side, so two German sides. Then on July 23rd, we're playing the Wolves, Wolverhampton. Um, so Seiss, can I see his former side? July 26th, we're playing Deportivo Alaves of Spain. And then finally, our last friendly of the summer will be against Sampdoria, the Italian side. So fantastic friendlies lined up for us, honestly. This should be a lot of fun. We might get thumped, you know, if, if, if we're giving like younger guys more playing time or if our new guys are taking time to jail. But on the other hand, maybe we'll come out competitive and have something to be excited about right out of the gates. Who knows? But uh, again, I think we'll, we'll probably be back with an episode before July 9th or, you know, after then talk about Werder Bremen and, and whatever whatever else but so yeah stay tuned no doubt we'll be back again follow us on Twitter uh, follow of course Khan at Razerian R-A-Z-Z-E-R-I-N follow our guests this week Amine El, Amine El Amri at A-M-I-N-E underscore E-L-A-M-R-I Follow myself at sir underscore rights underscore a lot. Uh, of course, follow the podcast at black. No, not black eagles podcast. That's our Instagram. It's black eagles podcast, one word. But on Twitter, it's at eagles underscore podcast. And yeah, um, as always, let's go, Besiktas! Peace out, everybody. Lots more to come this summer.
Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.